Surely the Lord is coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Stir up your power, O Lord, and with great might come among us. And as we are sorely hindered by our sins from running the race that is set before us, let your bountiful grace and mercy speedily help and deliver us. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory, now and forever. Amen. Be seated. A reading from Isaiah. Again the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men, that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. The word of the Lord. Please stand for the psalm. Now, you're going to turn and face each other, and you're gonna, this, this side's going to read the, the odd verses, and this side's going to read the even. So we'll begin over here. Their earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell within. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hearts, a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord, and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is a generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, O ye ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. You may be seated. A reading from Romans chapter 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, 
and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to, to, put her to shame, resolved to divorce, divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord. We give you thanks and praise, Lord. And we do pray that you would stir up your power among us. May we know um, in new ways, Lord, your presence and your power with us. And we pray this in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> so one of uh, the many uh, joys um, of uh, my job, fun things that I get to do, is um, pretty much every uh, summer for a number of years, um, we have done something called a uh, kids can. It's a creativity camp. Uh, it's a week where um, uh, kids uh, gather and volunteers gather and we do creative things and learn about the scriptures and learn about the Lord together. Um, and my job in many of these years in the creativity camp has been uh, working with the drama group. So there's like an art group, there's different groups. I focus on the drama group and we um, work on a drama that we end up performing together at the end of the week and we do different things. And one thing I've tried to do each year is do improv um, with them. Now, improv uh, with um, children is a, a bit of a, a challenge, um, as you'd imagine. Uh, but one thing I try to teach them, it's just sort of a principle of improv, uh, is when you're you know, together making up a scene um, together, um, that you practice yes and. Um, and so uh, you begin the scene. We maybe have two kids. We actually do it in here. So they'd be up here. We uh, give them each characters that they're going to play. We give them a place that they're going to uh, be in. And then they begin the scene. And again, I'm like, you need to have a yes and mentality. So if one um, child beginning the scene says, you know, I'm lost, the other one should not say, no, you're not. What are you talking about? You know, we're in a sanctuary. Um, they should say, yes, and I'm lost too. Or yes, and I have a helicopter and let's fly out of here. And so we try to get them in that mentality. Now, usually because as children, within seconds of beginning an improv, they're running around screaming at each other, rolling around on the floor, wrestling. Uh, but still, I, I try. Um, and I share that, that yes and, because Advent in many ways is a season of yes and. 
uh, when you think about the themes of Advent, and is very important. This is a season that we remember the people of God waiting for the coming of the first Messiah, and we look forward in expectation for the coming of the second Messiah, or the second coming of the Messiah. There's only one Messiah, uh, let's be clear. It's, uh, cut that out of the uh, recording uh, so I don't get kicked out for heresy. Uh, the second coming of our Messiah, Jesus Christ. Right? It's a, um, a season of repentance and a season of joy, a season of purple candles and a pink candle. It's a season where we acknowledge the kingdom has come and that the kingdom is not yet fully here. And in those ands, right, I want to consider some very important and wonderful and awe-inspiring ands in our reading today, in the gospel reading um, uh, from uh, Matthew. What are the ands that we see here that actually form us and speak to our faith? First and foremost, as we look at this reading, right, we can say that this is a historical moment and a contemporary moment, right? That this is, again, um, history and life right now um, uh, in regard to how it speaks to us. Uh, to use a term that uh, we, we've often used at Church of the Cross, it is rooted in history and it is relevant for today. And we should be very clear, right? Matthew, the, the writer of this gospel through the Holy Spirit, is presenting this to us as history. It's not that he you know, knew Jesus and thought, I want to tell people about Jesus and I need a great origin story right, to begin with. Right? So what can I make up about his birth? Right? He say, how, what does he say? The birth of Jesus took place in this way. I want to tell you what was reported to me and pass it on to you. You can see, right, this is from Matthew 1.18, right? So the very beginning of the Gospel of Matthew. What happens actually before this in the Gospel of Matthew is you have a genealogy. Matthew begins by giving basically the ancestors of Joseph and running through them. And that begins with Abraham, right? Begins with Abraham and kind of goes down from there. Abraham, historically, right, as we look at the history, we know that Abraham was um, called by God to follow him, to leave his land and follow and put his trust in God. And the Lord said to Abraham, even though him and his um, wife Sarah at that point had had no children and were beyond childbearing age, said to him, from you will come a great nation, and I will bless all the families of the world through you. And here we have, right now, in this moment, the ultimate fulfillment of that promise. With the coming of Jesus, all the families of the world will be blessed, right? The gift of salvation comes to the entire world through Jesus, right? David is in that genealogy as well, and that's important, because again, we know from history that David, right, when he was king, there was a time where um, the prophet Nathan came to him and said to him, right, there will be one who will come from you, an even greater king, a king whose um, kingdom will be established forever. And we read here, right, this is happening now. Here comes that king. Here comes Jesus. And so it's a historical moment, right? It's a moment from the past um, that happened, but it's a contemporary moment for us. It's contemporary in one sense, right, because we read this and we say, this is the birth of Jesus. We know him, right? He's alive. Jesus is here, right? He hosts us uh, today. He is our Lord and Savior. He is our friend, right? We are brought into relationship with him. And so this is a contemporary moment as we celebrate, right? Ah, right, I can celebrate the birth of Jesus knowing Jesus as my Savior, as my King. But it's also a contemporary moment because as we see Matthew responding to the Lord, obeying him, this is the same God who calls us to obedience, right? calls us to acts of faithfulness, calls us to say yes to him, as Matthew does. 
So this isn't just a moment to say, oh, that's great for Matthew. It's a moment to say, oh, I too at times will be called to obey the Lord, right? I will be called to faithfulness. And what will that look like for me? And we can see, right, what a huge difference, how important Matthew's yes to the Lord is, right, that he said yes. Right? And so um, uh, um, uh, the Lord, um, again, reveals um, to uh, Joseph right, through a dream um, that uh, Mary, who he's betrothed to, so basically this is like engagement, um, uh, is um, pregnant from the Holy Spirit. And we're told before this, right, that Joseph's plan was to divorce her quietly, right? And so actually to end an engagement at that time involved a divorce, but he's going to do it quietly. We'll say more about that in a moment. But basically the Lord's, you know, calling him to obedience is basically just not to go through with that. It's actually a call just not to do something, to refrain from that and to follow his original plan to marry Mary. And Joseph says yes, right? And that's a huge yes. In one sense, that's a huge yes, right? Because by Joseph, by saying yes to the Lord, is offering protection to Mary and Joseph, right? It's covering to them, support for them. It ends up, we see that being very important, right? When the Holy Family actually has to go to Egypt. And so that's key. But also in saying yes, basically Joseph is ensuring that the Messiah, Jesus, comes through the line of David, right? That's important. It's ensuring that that prophecy is fulfilled, that the Messiah will be a son of David, a descendant of David. Now, it's interesting because in the genealogy, um, like I mentioned, um, uh, uh, that it begins with, it keeps saying the father of, the father of, the father of. You know, again, working from Abraham and, and going down, Abraham, the father of Isaac. But then you get to the very end. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. Right? So you can see how that leads into then this account um, because, you know, Matthew is making it clear Actually, things were different with Joseph, right? He, um, uh, in one sense, well, I mean, he was not, right, in a very important sense, the father of Jesus. Jesus is conceived of the Holy Spirit. And so it says, Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born. But in another sense, in another very important way, Joseph was the father of Jesus. Because we're told, right, two different times, right, and that means it's important when you think things repeated, right, the angel says to Joseph, you are to name this child Jesus. And then we're told at the end, and he called his name Jesus. Why is it so important that Joseph named Jesus Jesus? When a father named a child in that time, basically that was the father was saying, this is my son. This is my child. Basically, by naming Jesus, Joseph, in a sense, is adopting Jesus. Right? He knows right, that Jesus is from the Holy Spirit. He knows he is not the father, but he is basically saying, I will be the father, right? I will adopt him. I will care for him as my own child. And and we all know, right? If someone's adopted, they are truly the child of that person who adopted them. And basically by Joseph obeying this, by naming Jesus, he's basically ensuring that Jesus comes in the line of David, the fulfillment of the prophet that, that Jesus is, right? The son of David. And of course, he is the son of God. So this speaks to our, again, daily, maybe small ways, maybe big ways that the Lord calls us to say yes to him, that he calls us to obedience and how much our obedience makes a difference. Now, this is speculative, but I just wonder, as Joseph was being called, right, to say yes to the Lord, if maybe he thought about history and he thought, you know, I have an ancestor named Joseph and actually God spoke to him in a dream and God told him some things that were hard to believe, Right? And he believed that nothing is impossible for God. And so I, too, at this moment can say yes to God. 
And like Joseph, right, my obedience can make a huge difference, right? And so again, we can look at Joseph and say, like this Joseph, I too can say yes. So we have an and, right? This is a moment in history that we celebrate. This is contemporary. This is about us right now following the Lord. There's another and that we see in verse 19. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Again, Joseph was a just man, a righteous man. And so understandably, right, when he learns that Mary is pregnant, as a righteous man, right, really his only option at that time is to divorce her, right? We may say, oh, why didn't he stay married to her? But that never would have been the case, right, at that time. For, again, a righteous man, and he believed that Mary had committed adultery, that he, she had been unfaithful. But what's striking is that it tells us he is a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, which we would say, well, of course, right? A just man wouldn't put, you know, Mary to, to shame, but keep in mind, at that time, right, as we continue in the Gospels, and as we read the Gospels, right, who are held up in that culture as just men, as just people, right? It's the, the Pharisees, right, the religious leaders. Those are those, you know, who people looked to and thought, well, they represent what righteousness looks like, right? And they, in one ways, they did, right? I mean, we're told, like, the Pharisees were so righteous, so just, that they tithed their spices, and so, you know, when they thought about, I need to give 10% of my income away, I'm going to go to my spice rack. They didn't have spice racks, but I'm going to, you know, make sure that 10% of my spices I'm giving away. Right? I mean, they were so righteous, right? They put, like, laws on top of God's law. Like, just to make sure they didn't even get close to breaking God's law, they added all sorts of other laws that you had to obey as well just to protect your righteousness. And so they were upheld as righteous. They were upheld as just. But were they unwilling to put people to shame? Absolutely not. And what we see Jesus constantly confronting the Pharisees is they were always putting people to shame, right? Shame for their sin, certainly, right? They wanted to do that and make sure that they focused on the sin of others even as they held up their own righteousness, right? But they put people to shame just for being sick, right? They blamed them for their illness. They put them to shame for being healed by Jesus, which always seems funny. Jesus healed them, and then they put those who have been healed to shame for receiving healing. And so actually when we see Joseph being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, we see something unusual. We see one who say, I can be just and I can be merciful. I can be kind. And who does that remind us of? It reminds us of Jesus, right? The adopted son of Joseph. And Jesus who we see perfectly. Perfect justice, perfect mercy. I think of Zacchaeus, if you remember the famous story of Zacchaeus, right? The tax collector climbs a tree to see Jesus, right? And, and Jesus comes by and Jesus stops right under the tree and looks up to Zacchaeus, right? And if you've read the story, you can think, here's a great shame moment, you know? Like if Jesus wanted to put Zacchaeus to shame, this would be it, right? You can point to him in the tree and be like, that guy's a thief, right? You guys all know he's a thief. And Jesus can do it as one who's completely just, right? He's without sin, right? Jesus can say, that guy steals from you. I've never done that. I've never sinned at all. Right, what does Jesus do, right? Jesus, who is perfectly just and righteous, he says to Zacchaeus, this sinner, he doesn't put him to shame. He says, I want to have lunch with you. I want to have a meal with you. I want to demonstrate to you the love and mercy of God. And Zacchaeus responds, right, with, with repentance, with wanting to turn away and turning away from, from stealing from others. He becomes generous and, and uh, restores um, people. So, again, we see an extremely important and Right? Our Lord is just. He is righteous. Right? He comes in perfection, and he is kind. He does not put us to shame. Right? He did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. 
through his death and resurrection. And that reminds us, right, where do we see the ultimate justice of God? Right, when his wrath, his justice is poured out against sin. And where do we see the ultimate mercy of God? When he bears that sin upon himself. When God the Son, right, Christ, takes the sin, (laughs) our sin, on himself. Perfect justice, right, perfect mercy. That ties in, then, to a third and, very important and, that our Lord Jesus is fully man, fully human, and fully God. And we see that right from the beginning, right? We see his humanity. Like I mentioned, it's important that Joseph says yes here because Jesus is vulnerable, right? I mean, he's, he's in the womb. Now he will be born to Mary, a true birth, an actual birth, right? He will need care. He's vulnerable. He needs um, parents to watch over him and care for him. He is fully human. Right? This happened at a specific moment in history, at a specific place. And yet we see the... Um, it's fair to say the unique circumstances of his birth, of his um, conception, right? John the Baptist, who we talked about the last couple weeks, right? The circumstances around his birth were extremely unusual, right? His parents were way beyond childbearing years. But we have a precedent for that, Abraham and Sarah, which we already mentioned, right? We've seen that before. But a virgin conceiving of a child, we have not seen. And to be clear, it's always helpful to mention, they knew that was unusual then, right? We, yes, we know science a little better um, now than they did then, but there was no um, sense of this was a normal thing to happen, right? They understood that this is completely unheard of, right? And yet, um, we see in that that the Lord is fully human and fully God. If you look at this uh, prophecy here, it's a very important prophecy from Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Right? We get the context of it in our Old Testament reading uh, from Isaiah. Right? And we can see right, in the context right, that there's basically a, a first sort of fulfillment of that prophecy. Probably how it would have been understood right, at that time um, as Isaiah shared that prophecy is a virgin right, will get married um, and will have a child um, in the usual way and the sign will be that by the time that child is old enough to tell good from evil, Ahaz's um, uh, enemies will be defeated. Right? So that's the sign. Right? And again, the fulfillment would have been, yes, this child is born. And by the time the child is of a certain age, what God has said will happen, will happen uh, to the um, enemies of Ahaz. But we know now, as we read Matthew, there's an even greater fulfillment of that. Right? And the greater fulfillment is actually a virgin while still a virgin will conceive a child, a miraculous conception from the Holy Spirit, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, God has always been with his people, right? That marks the people of God. They are the people whom God is with, right? And that's, again, when we look at the history of the nation of Israel, again and again, God assures them, I'm with you. I will lead you, right? I will teach you. Um, I, I will save you. I will rescue you. I will sometimes punish you in order to teach you, but I will not abandon you. And so we see God's with usness um, before the incarnation. But then with the coming of God in the flesh, right? The Word made flesh, we see a whole new level of with usness, right? That He is Emmanuel who actually comes and dwells in the flesh with His people, who comes as one of us. 
as I was thinking about this, and I'm sorry, this is my second drama um, illustration uh, today. Anyway, just been a drama week. But I was thinking about when I was in college and I was in a play. Um, and it wasn't a very good play, I'm, I'm sorry to say. It was a very long play. Um, and my lines were in the last 15 minutes of the play. I, I kid you not. I had a monologue and it came at the very end of this laborious play. Uh, but my family um, all decided to come in person to see me in that play. I hadn't warned them how bad it was. Um, uh, but they came in person. And I'll never forget, actually, some of them I knew were coming. Some of them it was a surprise. But them coming and being there, right? what a difference that made. That they were there, right? They were there in the audience, right? In the flesh with me in that. Right? And I'll never forget that. Now, again, if they had sent notes saying, hey, I hope the play goes well. You know, if they had called me, how did the play go? They would have been with me, right? And that would have made a big difference. But they were actually with me in person. And I'm sure you've experienced that. Right? Maybe, you know, someone, again, a friend from far away who shows up, right, for a graduation or maybe for a funeral, just shows up to be with you. You know that they're with you, right, but suddenly when they are actually with you in the flesh, that's a whole different level of with you-ness. And really, that's what's happening here. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Right? The Lord is with us, right, in the flesh. We can never say to Jesus, you don't understand what it's like. You don't know what it's like to suffer. You don't know what it's like to be human, to, to feel the weakness of our, our bodies. And he can say, yes, right? I do know what it's like, right? I am God with you. Every year um, uh, growing up um, in the month of December, um, at some point, uh, we could count on it. And after a while, we, we started to laugh about it a little bit. Uh, my grandmother would always at some point say, I just don't have the Christmas spirit um, this year. Uh, so it kind of became the thing. Um, and as a kid, I was always sort of astounded by this because uh, I just couldn't figure out, how can you not have the Christmas spirit? I mean, it's Christmas. Of course you have the Christmas spirit because Christmas is awesome. We all feel the Christmas spirit. But then, of course, I got older, um, and I don't say that every year, uh, but I started to realize, oh, I understand now why my grandmother said that, right? Because she kind of would come into Christmas and feel like, oh, there was a wonder I once had. There was an awe, right? There was an excitement about Christmas that I want to get back, right? I want to um, sort of reclaim that wonder of Christmas. And it's true, right? As we get older, we lose some of that wonder, right? We long for it. And, you know, when we come to things like the Christmas badge of this afternoon, we get to enter back into um, that wonder um, that children experience, right? But the fact is we can um, uh, uh, meditate on, we can consider these powerful ants, and, and, and the Lord um, can instill in us that wonder. We can grow in that wonder. These are wonderful truths. But the Lord, right, is um, present to us right now, even as he worked in the past. Right? That the Lord is full of mercy and full of justice. That he is the God who is with us. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you that this season truly is full of joy. We thank you, Lord, um, that even as perhaps this next week will be a uh, a time of um, hectic uh, preparation uh, for Christmas that we can uh, prepare our hearts. And Lord, I do pray for each one of us that you would give us wonder, you would give us awe, that you have come in the flesh, that you are with us now, that you have um, brought um, the way of salvation to us. Again, open our eyes, Lord, to see you in new ways, we pray. And we ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite you to stand.